1: So, it's a transition, of course, to... So, it's a transition from Queen Elizabeth to King Charles, and uh, it is well underway already. Um, king Charles, back in London, greeting well-wishers at Buckingham Palace this morning, and he will address the world for the first time as king um, in about a half an hour from right now. But uh, there are deep ties to government that have been exercised for years and years and years and years when it comes to the monarchy. And in many ways, it's largely symbolic. But um, she did play a role uh, in British politics, primarily. Um, this is the brand new Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, Liz Truss, talking about her relationship, however brief it was, with Queen Elizabeth.
0: The death of Her Majesty the Queen is a huge shock to the nation and to the world. Queen Elizabeth II was the rock on which modern Britain was built. Our country has grown and flourished under her reign.
1: And on Tuesday, um, Liz Truss was sworn in as the next Prime Minister of the UK, the 15th to be sworn in by the Queen, um, just two days before the Queen passed. So, uh, interesting times indeed. Let's chat with David Johnson now. He is a Professor of Political Science from Cape Breton University. Dr. Johnson, thank you for joining us. I appreciate your time. Oh, thank you for having me. It's great to be on with you. So the Queen, as we know, served as head of state for Canada as well, which is largely a ceremonial role. But in the UK, she was—I mean—wasn't heavily involved. But I, I heard uh, Sir John Major talking yesterday, a former UK Prime Minister, about the weekly audience that he and now 14 other Prime Ministers enjoyed with the Queen. Once a week, they would sit down and visit with the Queen and saw her as an advisor and a a confidant and a source of support. So, I mean, she was involved in politics in the UK. Absolutely. In a very special, unique manner,
0: having these weekly audiences with the Prime Minister and... I've read about these, and there have been some writings. The queen, has, the queen never spoke about them at all. Everything was strictly confidential. But we have heard some of the Prime Ministers in their memoirs after they've left office, a decade or more after they were in office, we have some snippets of these, these uh, meetings, weekly meetings. And what comes across as a Queen who is completely up on current events who is expressing who is asking questions getting the prime minister to explain what they're doing and it's been said that if the queen agreed uh, Mar- yeah, margaret thatcher tony blair would say that if the queen agreed with their stances there would the queen would act- actively say yes that's I, I agree actively is support what's being said they said disagree <laughs> the queen's disagreement with what was being said the queen would simply not say anything, say anything. Sil- <laughs> silence would be disagreement but again the queen as a constitutional monarch she couldn't she wouldn't say no don't do that the elected prime minister the elected government yeah. has the right to to make policy, but it would be clear at times that the Queen, especially with some of the stuff that Thatcher was doing, Margaret Thatcher was doing, the Queen did not agree, but that would simply be, Margaret Thatcher would simply have silence coming back at her.
1: But I mean, that's the the skill, that's the art uh, of being that monarch. You know it's a largely symbolic role, although you do have influence, but you don't want to get involved, you need to respect democracy, so I mean, it's a very fine line they must walk.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. It's soft power that the monarch has, the queen, and now King Charles the Third. It's soft power, and but it can be effective. That go back and read some of the material on the Commonwealth meetings in the nineteen eighties, dealing with apartheid in South Africa, and yeah, Brian Mulroney has written about mm-hmm. this. And convincing Margaret Thatcher to actually support sanctions against then apartheid racist South White white ruled South Africa, and Thatcher and the British government were opposed. And at these Commonwealth heads of government meeting, the Queen would host a dinner, and she would be talking about the she the Queen would be talking about the importance of human rights, just general principles. But the Queen kept the people talking, and then the Queen just kept people talking and talking about these. And, and then finally, Margaret Thatcher and the British government came to realize that they were one, one against 53 other nations. And then Thatcher slowly developed a heck slowly, came to accommodate that sanctions against South Africa. And Brian Mulroney very much
1: credits that, that change of heart to the Queen's yes. soft, subtle influence. Absolutely, he does. Um, uh, in terms of her direct involvement in Canadian politics, arm's length at a minimum, right? Very, very, very little official involvement. That's right. That's
0: right. That here in Canada, the Queen's representatives, the governor general in the, at the federal level, provincial lieutenant's governor, they're the ones who exercise royal power. And there are times, and we know that in times of minority governments where it's unclear which whether the prime minister commands the confidence of the House of Commons or whether a premier commands the confidence of a provincial legislature, it's in times that those that the vice regal, the governor general in Ottawa, the lieutenant governor in a province, can exercise real political power in deciding you know, to to grant a grant a motion of a prime minister think of stephen harper's request for prorogation in 2008 Mikhail jean the then governor general had the right to say no to him mm-hmm. and she they spent two hours talking about this and then she granted prorogation we've seen other cases in provincial uh, governments most recently in british columbia with the john horgan's first election where christy clark sought to pro, pro sought that election christy clark as a hung parliament in bc christy clark asked for a new election right away and the then lieutenant governor said no so refused the advice of the sitting premier christy clark then resigned And the lieutenant governor called upon John Horgan to form a government. That was an exercise of lieutenant governor power,
1: and it's perfectly constitutional. What I mean, as you know, for many of us, um, Queen Elizabeth was the only head of state we've known, and the only tie to the monarchy. What do we anticipate with Prince Charles? Will he will he conduct himself much the way she has? I think so. I think so. Yeah,
0: it's a momentous change and i'm there uh, 90% of canadians alive today have only known one monarch until today and i'm, I'm one of them and but, so charles he carved out a role for him himself as prince of wales now he is the king he is the sovereign so he will be he was he was at times quite outspoken as prince of wales but he could be because he wasn't the sovereign he was he was just the prince of wales now he's the king so i think he will become as he said he will follow his mother's footsteps yeah. he will become much less uh, uh contra- controversial in what he says and does. He'll be much more symbolic. But now I think look to see, so I think the king will follow the footsteps of his mother, but I think look to see perhaps a more slightly more activist role of Prince of Wales eventually uh, with William. Prince, Prince William. Right. So he will inherit, William will inherit the, eventually will inherit the position of Prince of Wales and he will inherit a lot of his father's charitable work.
1: It'll be fascinating to watch. Dr. Johnson, I hope we can chat again as this goes along, and uh, we'll talk more about how things are unfolding. Thank you, sir.